Welcome back to Free Game the Podcast. Um, it's your boy JY the Spy. Oh, I don't know if you noticed. Know I do my um my <laughs> rapper names now because I am trying to yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be a rapper. I'm sick of like everyone else is rapping. I'm gonna do it too. So this is also Big Red and it's also Papa J. So Big Red and Papa J. Yeah. Where do you get those from? <laughs> I'll tell you the vacuum story. Well, Big Red actually is the name my family has. Like I'm light skinned and a lot of people call me red and my hair is like a different color than people are used to. So red bone. I used to hate when people say I have red hair, but I just like embrace it. Just call me Big Red. Yeah. So <laughs> um you guys, I have a guest this week. I'll let him introduce himself because <laughs> he already embarrassed me, but I'm gonna edit that out so y'all don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh I'm Jamez and I go by Mez or Jamez. Um a lot of people call me J D. My middle name is Deontay. But Are I, you telling the people your middle name? Okay. Yeah. I, I go by J D because uh it well when I was on LinkedIn, you know, I think J D, like if your initials are J D, M D, anything, they think you're a medical doctor or they think you uh a lawyer so i use that as a as a marketing tactic on online very so, smart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i was like oh okay because that does it has a ring to it jdmd mm-hmm. hmm. okay so um i'm just gonna start off with a few questions to warm you up shake it up okay now, how many of my shows do you watch i normally try to take it easy <laughs> and it's their first time. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I'm ready for whatever. <laughs> no, I told you expect the unexpected. Um, when was the last time you were completely happy? The last time I was completely happy was like earlier today when uh, my Bottega boots came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, yes. I mean, that's good. You were completely <laughs> happy because, I mean, they got everything right. They got the books. Yeah, like I was worried. I was so worried about the size and shit like that because I was, I was just in New York a couple, couple weeks ago, and um, to actually go see the Solange um, ballet. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god. And I was there for a short amount of time because it was raining and cold, and I had brought summer clothes. Cause I thought it was still kind of warm outside, so I ended up leaving and not going shopping like I wanted to. But mm. you know, what? I'm I'm glad this is flowing like it is because why? My next question was, what book are you reading right now? Because <laughs> well, I know you, you like I love that you like read and you like post the books that you're reading. So okay. what book are you reading? So the book that I'm reading right now is. I think it's called, uh, hold on one second. So this book is called Transcendent Kingdom. Um, and I actually bought this book a while back. Um, whenever I, whenever I like, a, whenever I see a cover that I like, I just buy it. And especially mm-hmm. if it's, um, if it's on sale, like, at Target or half price books, then I just pick it up. Um, but yeah, this book I started reading. I'm on the first chapter. I like it so far. Um, I think it's very insightful. Um, is it like a what kind of book is it? 
it's a I think it's fiction. Okay. Yeah. It's fiction. And so that hmm. book, um, this book is kind of good. I, I'm liking it so far. But I you know me, I like to go back and reread books and mm-hmm. reread chapters based on where I am in life. So I've been reading um this book on trauma. Oh yeah, you posted that. Like I almost got emotional with that too. Yes. I told you why, but yeah. Yeah. And I think I think I refer I went back to that book because um I was dealing like I'm I'm working on some stuff at work um that kind of deals with that. Like uh but really I'm working on like post traumatic uh stress disorder. Um, PTSD and then um, postpartum depression or perinatal depression overall. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, this isn't the question that I had wrote down, but I was just wondering, like, what field are you in? Yeah, so it's so crazy because a lot of people don't think I work. <laughs> because I, do. <laughs> I mean, you do be traveling, friend. You do. Yeah, a lot of people don't think I work because <laughs> I be going everywhere and like I be like going to the movies and and posting drinks and stuff while you know during business hours. Um, but I actually do work. I work in healthcare. I'm a health director. Uh, I work for a hospital in Kensington, England. And I also do a, um, some consulting work for a laboratory in Pittsburgh and also Philadelphia. Um, and basically, my uh, my expertise is mental health and substance use. So, very very impressive and very yeah. good, um, <laughs> especially since it's Mental Health Awareness Month. That's true, um, but it's okay. Because I was asking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that to go to this. So I saw, you know, I I scoured through your Twitter, yeah, um, <laughs> and I saw that you had a poem that you wrote. Uh-huh. So when what was the first thing that you wrote, and what was it that inspired you? Oh my God, it's in my notes. I wonder, can I go out of this? Uh, you should be able to without it closing. The first thing I wrote was so deep, and I wrote it when I was in college and undergrad. Hold on one second. It was so deep, Josh. Because I was like, hold on, why did I know? I mean, I write too, and I normally don't share when I write, but I read that. I was just like, okay, he's been writing for a while. He has, yeah, me either. I you know, I'll be writing a lot of stuff. Um, and sometimes I don't even think it's like me writing. I think it's just me kind of like expressing myself mm-hmm. through, uh, through words, I guess. But hold on, let me see. Let me try to find it. Please bear with me. Cause okay, it's... no, that's fine. I can... I hope you can multitask. I'll just tell you about the first time I wrote something. I remember specifically, I was like 13 years old uh-huh. and I was just so angry and I didn't have anybody to talk to because I was mad at my brother. Mm. And I was just like, you know, I'm just just to write how pissed off I am. And I can't believe he back, he betrayed me like this. And right. Yeah. It was you, you are one of them. What? <laughs> That's crazy. 
Because I think in this, I think I think that's so funny that you say that because I think I started to write because I felt like um, I felt like I I didn't really have anybody to talk to, you know, and so I was just like, wow, you know, I even it's so crazy because I just went back. I was on the phone with one of my friends um, a couple weeks ago. And I was on the phone going through my notes and I told him, I was like, wow, I just found some, some stuff that I wrote and this stuff is dark. Listen, listen, I mean, I was trying to like make this all about you, but not, no, that, that is exactly how I felt. And I was like, I don't even want to read this to people because I've healed from it. First of all, like I'm able to like express myself verbally now. But, like, to see that the stuff that I was writing back then, oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So, this is called wa- wa- Waters. Well, I don't know. I don't know if... Is this the one that I posted? Was it Waters? Oh, shit. I don't know if I can go back that far. Because I was just on the Bluebird app. <laughs> okay. But probably, because um, I remember I had to, like, save it and everything. Let me see. Mr. JD. Um, I look, oh, dang, that's further down the interview, because that's what I was looking at on your, on your page. Very expressive person. Yes. The self-proclaimed lover boy. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into. That. Oh, it was a while ago. I'm not gonna lie. What? No, these are lyrics. Well, I can share. I can share. I can share. Yeah, you can go ahead while I'm still scrolling. Yeah, so this is called Waters. And, you know, I'm a cancer, so I I always um, refer to water, being a a water son. Um, And so it says, do you know me in the morning as you did in dark of night? In my eyes, do you see moonlight upon the dew-kissed moss? Do my lips taste of hope? Do you feel my breath whispering across your neck like a warm and gentle breeze? If you listen for my heartbeat, do you hear unfettered and a flutter the sound of wings? Do you see me through eyes misty with long-awaited reunion? Would your body tremble inches from my own in anticipation of the joining, remember from a moment locked in memory through agonizing longing. If you cannot hear the waters lapping softly at our feet, then you are not the lover to whom my soul does speak. Mm. That, oh. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> it, but uh, I found Yeah, it. that was one of the early, that was from September 13, 2015 at 11.46 p.m. Yes, with the timestamp. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, what's the I I've seen? Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen. That's I mm. I wrote that 
I think I wrote that last year or the year before because I was listening to a lot of um, Aja Monet poems um, on YouTube and I got inspired by by her and I just wanted to talk about you know some things that I was seeing I think you know a lot of police brutality was going on it was a lot you know the pandemic was happening um everybody was kind of like dealing with mental health um in their own way and shit like that so yeah. oh god can I curse on here absolutely <laughs> I curse all the time <laughs> yeah. um okay switching gears a little bit so what was the last stressful situation you encountered in your job and how did you react oh my god oh <sighs> And I have a story after this. I don't even know if you got to remember. <laughs> I am currently dealing with a stressful story. I'll just give you a little context. Um, so, of course, I'm the only black man in my at my company. Mm-hmm. Um, my former role was I was a health director at a nonprofit organization that was black led and majority black, and so whose efforts were to end the AIDS epidemic. And um, in that in that in that space, I think blackness was centered. Right. And now I'm working for a for profit commercial um, company and the um, the culture is completely different. Mm -hmm. Everything seems like it's just for profit, literally. And so in my work, um, we're doing like basically my my company is trying to um develop this um this approach called precision medicine so this approach will be able to help um it will be able to help um mothers find if they will experience uh preeclampsia or gestational diabetes before um, the pregnancy. And in that, in that, with that being said, we have to do, um, we have to collect samples to develop, um, to develop the the screening. And it, it, it will go through a process called gene sequence, uh, sequencing. Mm-hmm. And the product, the, it's going to be a product because we're trying to get it to a place where it's validated. So then we can sell it as a product to hospitals and other places so they can utilize it, right? And the product is, it won't be robust or it won't be extremely validated if it doesn't include all women. And so what that means is basically we have a lot of white women who are taking part in the research and there's no marketing towards the black women. So me working at the, at the company, I'm like, okay, we're talking about this precision medicine and we're, you know, we're talking about all of these things, all of these good things, but these things are costly. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of women, aren't aren't going to be able to afford this and especially minority women um so that includes black um that includes 
uh, Asian, uh, multiracial, Latinx, other, and Native American women. And so I've been tasked to basically collaborate with grassroots organizations to try to get more um, Black women to participate. Mm -hmm. And so this has been stressful. I've kind of been on a um, a scale, like an ethical scale, because my company is majority white. I think it's only like 8% Black, right? Mm -hmm. There's not that many of us there. And there's maybe two two Asians. Um, and so with that being said, my company also does not have diversity as a value um, in regards to their mission and vision and values and things like that. And so up until this point, I didn't really, it didn't really register to me that I was working in a, um, in a space that could could possibly be perpetuating um, kind of like work work segre- uh, work segregation and not valuing diversity. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, it made me think, okay, why are you guys randomly wanting me, who I've only been working here, you know, a couple months? Why are you guys? randomly wanting me to get all the black people to participate in the study. So I'm one, I'm feeling like the token. Two, I feel like I'm being um two, I feel like they think since I have a seat at the table that I'm okay with exploiting this population that they seek. Mm -hmm. In three it's given me um, more insight to the organizational culture because, you know, I work remote. Well, I work hybrid, so I can go into labs or I can work from home. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I work mostly from home because I'm able to travel and do things like that. Right. Um, and so I'm never really inside the building. Um, but up until this point, I started going back and I'm like, wow. So it's probably it's, been going on this whole time. Yes, this has been going on this whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, is this something that they are intentional about? Are they do they really care about the underserved communities that they, you know, that they want to seek? Um, are they really um are they really making sure that there's a value proposition if we um if we collaborate with these grassroots organizations, because it may be good for the patient because they're planning to offer this test to the um, underserved minorities for free. And it's like a $2,000 test. Right. And so that's what they're going with. They're going with, okay, this is the value of the test. We're planning to offer for free. We just need you to get the, 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 the patients in. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, but black women didn't ask for this test. So it doesn't matter if it's free or not. Just because something is free doesn't mean, you know, they they want to be a part of it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think 
I think me knowing black women, like, I think that is a part of the issue because yet again, we're making decisions for women when they're not, when they don't have a seat at the table. Right. Right. Well, it's like, why not ask a black woman? Is that like so far out of there? Exactly. And what I'm, what I'm, what I began to think was, you know, we don't have a black woman working for us. Mm -hmm. So this, you know, none of you guys, none of them being my white constituents, um, none of them have any sort of cultural competence. Like I've literally been telling them, um, you know, if we do approach these grassroots organizations like Brown Mamas Alliance or, you know, Healthy Start or these organizations that are, that have missions to, um, eliminate the health disparity that affects um, black women during pregnancy, then we are, have, we are going to have to not only check our motives and our values, but we need to honestly take a look at our organizational, or organizational culture. We need to, because they're going to ask, okay, if you want to partner with us, why don't you have a black woman working at your organization? That's the first thing they're going to ask. You know, if you are, if you want to partner with us, why aren't you, uh, why haven't you done a campaign to, um, why, why is it just now that you are starting to um, campaign and seek black patients? Like, these are things that they're going to ask. And they're like, why would they want to know that? Why would they want to know that? And I'm just thinking to myself, you guys have no cultural competence. You have no historical context. And this this shit is really pissing me off. It's like frustrating me because you guys think you're so smart and you 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 sit in these meetings and you try to convince me and you're not even picking up on my nonverbal cues about how ridiculous you sound. Like you guys have no kind of awareness about what's really going on. The, this is a this is a population, Black women specifically. This is a population of uh, people who have been lied to, who have been mistreated, who have been misled, who have been discriminated against and devalued in their in their healthcare experiences. So, you saying that. Um, their participation in this in this um, in this screening will eventually develop a um, a screening that can help identify preeclampsia and gestational diabetes and inner and inner uterine um, complications early on. That's not really what their concern is. the The infant mortality. And maternal mortality and morbidity rate is not, they are not disproportionately affected because they don't have access. They're, dispropor- they're disproportionately affected because of the systemic racism. Mm-hmm. So we need to fix that problem. And what they don't understand is them trying to offer a product that Black women didn't ask for and trying to loop it into some kind of vacuum. Um, it it just shows that they have no intention, you know? Mm-hmm. And what's even crazier, Josh, is this last week is when we submitted the grant. We submitted the grant on Monday night at 11.50 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. This Monday. 
last week, Mon Monday last week is when we found that we're actually going to submit the grant. That alone told me that there was no intention mm -hmm. because That's I, at all. So. I, I've written grants. And when you get a, when you get a, when you get a grant opportunity, a funding opportunity, you work on that shit early on. You mm -hmm. should actually have your grant. You should actually have that information done because you have to provide research context, um, statistics, you have to, uh, you could, you could, you're able to make graphics and uh, data tables and graphs. <laughs> and so you guys just found out about this opportunity and you mean to tell me that I have a week to submit this grant? Mm -hmm. That just shows me that you guys had no intention. You just, you guys see an opportunity to profit and exploit black women and minority women and because your your goal is to maximize profits for the shareholders that's all you're concerned about and so this week i was kind of feeling um last week and this week i was kind of feeling uneasy because i didn't know the best way to say this without coming off as like you guys might be racist <laughs> I mean, but that, I mean, all the things are pointing towards that. Yes. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe they're just, like you said, they're just so culturally like inadequate. They don't even realize that they're doing things that could be seen as racist. Like, it's no yes. other way to put it. And it's like, so <laughs> I, I thought to myself, I called my mentor and I asked my mentor. My, my mentor told me, you know, you have to be. When you're a leader, you have to be mindful in your communication. So don't mm -hmm. assume. Find out the answers. You have real concerns. You know, you have real concerns. So ask questions. And that's exactly what I did um, Monday before we submitted the grant. I pinged my CEO and asked him, can we meet virtually? We talked about it. I told him all my concerns. He actually said, you know, some of the items that we talked about, he had to get back to me on because I told him, like, he was just like, you don't think this will be received well by those organizations? And I said, well, honestly, I don't really, I don't really know because this is not something that they're asking for. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, it would be one thing if Black women were rallying saying we need pre-diagnostic testing mm -hmm. we need um we need these type of it's not the testing that it's not the testing that's going to help them it's the addressing the institutional racism the implicit biases by the doctors and healthcare practitioners i was just on twitter reading about how the um a woman she was pregnant and the nurse was being so nasty during her pregnancy. Oh, I saw that. Mm -hmm. And she, she she basically was in pain. She was in pain. She experienced preeclampsia. And the nurse basically said she was on drugs, basically implied that she was on drugs and that wow. she wanted more pain meds for that reason. This is the type of shit that we need to be addressing because this is my thing. Yeah, we might, we might, um, 
we might do this for a year or two and we might have black women come in participate in the in the research so we can develop the test but then the test gets sold to the hospitals that then that then that that then you know that pipeline they the test doesn't is no longer free once it gets sold mm-hmm. they mark up the price because they know number one black women experience preeclampsia disproportionately um they mark up they mark up the test because they know gestational diabetes is high in black women and minority women they they mark up the price because uterine uh complications uh interuterine complications are prevalent amongst minority women they mark up the test and then we still have to deal with the bullshit as providers healthcare providers mm-hmm. the physicians who don't listen to to black women and when they're when they're saying that they're in pain the nurses who have implicit biases and thinks and thinks that when people want more you know when people want more uh medicine that 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 they imply that they're on drugs like that's the type of shit that causes women a lot of stress and that's why they die during pregnancy so Ooh. basically that's what I've been dealing with the past two weeks. <laughs> so my stress levels is is pretty high, but um Um I say you handled as as well as you could handle it because yeah. that is like a huge, huge issue. It is. And during like the time when a woman is pregnant, I'm just thinking like I don't know if you've ever been around a woman when they're pregnant, like mm-hmm. I have. Oh gosh. And just think on top of that. Yeah, it's crazy. And luckily it was, you know, my feedback and concerns were received well. I think um, I think that they made a lot of changes to the grant after that. And so I was I was happy to see that. And so that put me at ease at a little bit. But it's still it's still kind of like that doubt in my head lingering. You know, well, let me know if there's anything I could do because you know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind writing letters, <laughs> talking to people. Thanks. All right, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say, do you remember? Um, at the other job, you asked me to, um, right? Well, I don't know, like, I don't even think I know, like, the backstory really. I just know you was like, hey, can you like reach out to these people and let them know, like, how the experience was when you did the um oh the summer, summer walk listening party right yeah what was the backstory with that like was it like some shady stuff going on yes it was some shady stuff going on at my last org so because I was just mad because you was mad to be honest and I was like hold on yes news flash <laughs> like working at an all black organization really is not all that is cracked up to be it's really not <laughs> it's really really not and honestly so basically with that situation I was hired I was hired to work on this um on this million dollar grant right mm-hmm. and it was two five hundred thousand dollar grants um one for uh substance use prevention uh mental health and substance use prevention and then one for mental health and substance use treatment and so the grant was getting ready they were getting ready to strip the funding for the grant right oh. 
I got hired and the next week I was put on a corrective action plan by my government project officer because the former director had failed tremendously, terribly at his job. And so basically I was hired to fix it up and basically I was the gladiator. (laughs) (laughs) The knight of shining armor. Yes. Basically I was the gladiator. I was supposed to come in, turn the grin around, make sure that we secured funding for the next five years, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, from I got hired in January, I got hired in January, and from January to June, June is my birthday month. From January to June, I worked every day. I worked every day, every weekend, oh. and I was literally, um, I was literally. I literally turned the grant around. And so the the numbers had skyrocketed. We were on our way and back on track. We even made up for the last, because it was a five-year grant. We were in year three, uh, year three and getting ready to go into year four. Um, and I literally had improved every, every deliverable that you could imagine. Um, and so... In July, in July, something happened at the organization, right? We found out that my CEO negligently hired a sex offender. And so with that being said, everybody at the organization was kind of shaken up because once we found out that he got arrested, we found out that he was on the sex offenders list and we were trying to figure out how he got hired because everybody is subject to a background check. Mm -hmm. And when you work in public health and you work with vulnerable populations, you cannot be on a sex offenders list. You you're not, you're not hireable. Mm -hmm. So we found out that a background check miraculously was not done for him. Mm-hmm. And we found out because um, we researched it. We asked the CEO and he said no. Well, later we found out that the only reason it wasn't done is because they were friends. Wow. That's what I was like. Uh, seems like somebody knew him. Exactly. Like, oh, I got you. So that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. I was very open um, and transparent about what you know about how that impacted you know people at work especially because the man was actually supposed to be a sponsor for (laughs) one of my um one of my direct reports and so i realized that all along he was preying on him so I made it very apparent about my stands. I literally started looking for work in July to work elsewhere. That's when I, that's actually when I started applying for uh, London, my uh, London role and a couple places um, in on the East coast. And so in fast forward, um, they're, t- they're telling me that, you know, I'm 
I'm doing really, really well. You know, I'm advocating for my one of my direct reports. He had been working there for five years without a raise. So I'm pushing for him to get a raise. I'm pushing, pushing, pushing. Like I'm not letting my foot off their necks because he hasn't had a penny raise. And so, but they, they, they take his ideas and they put them in, in new grants. They take his ideas and they, you know, he has all these good ideas and they take them all, but you guys don't want to pay him more. Right. And so literally he just posted on Facebook yesterday that he got a raise. Wow. And so, and that's after six years, <laughs> literally. Um, but I'm advocating for him. I'm advocating for a lot of other things that are going on at work. And I think, I think, I think in hindsight, I was basically becoming the problem child. Right. <laughs> Is that what they refer to you as? Or that's just, I think that that's basically what I'm a, give myself like no, I'm about to say, cause I have no problem with being the yeah I, I have no problem with being the problem child especially yeah. when things aren't ethical and when um when things aren't going right like I definitely have to speak my mind about injustices and th- those types of things I will I will not waver on and so I became a problem child okay. and there was one what put the nail in the coffin was we were doing a um a toy drive in December with a um with a politician and I had two ladies drop off toys to the community center and she ended up um she ended up calling me the day of the event, she was like, Jamez, did your stuff, did the two girls drop off the stuff? I said, yeah, I contacted them yesterday. They told me that they dropped the stuff off. And she was like, well, the stuff is not here. And I said, are you sure? And I sent her the screenshot of me telling the ladies, you know, hey, this is the location, um, blah, blah, blah. And then they sent them saying that it has been dropped off. She goes and says, she's like, well, it's not here. She like goes off on me completely mm-hmm. unprofessional. She's like, if you didn't, if you didn't have any contributions, you could have just said that. I said, well, I'm actually getting ready to come there and I have some items, but I'm like, this is news to me because the, I literally just sent you the screenshot of, you know, the lady saying that they dropped the, the toys and stuff off that they had. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know. Everybody knows what's been dropped off. And they didn't say anything about two ladies dropping anything off on your behalf and things like that. And so she ended up cursing me out on the phone. And I just ended up I just ended up telling her, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to come, you know, because this is it's first of all, it's unprofessional that you're doing all of this on the phone. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. The stuff could have been mixed up with somebody else's stuff. You don't know because you didn't even investigate. Um, And she, you know, cursed me out. And so I didn't show up to the event. I told, I called my direct uh, reports. I told my team, I was like, look, I'm not going to the event. Um, Good, good riddance with her. And there's that. 
So my CEO, I got a I got a call from him. Um, well, I called him. He didn't answer. Then he emailed me and told me to come into the office. I told him I was busy working and that I wouldn't be able to make it in. I had to do some stuff, some um, some clear sessions with community members and that my schedule was kind of tight. I can come into the office during a later time. He didn't respond. So the next thing unprofessional I, as well, but go ahead. Uh, very unprofessional. The next thing I get is a is a call from my direct report. And my direct report is saying, you know, Jamez, are you serious? And then I said, What what's going on? And he was like, They just sent a new they just made a new group chat with you not in it and they're saying that you're no you no longer work for the organization. <laughs> and I said, What? And the crazy thing is, Josh, I was planning to put I got I got fired on December maybe like a couple days before Christmas, I think, like December twenty first or twenty second. And I was planning on putting in my notice when I returned um from New Year's. I was planning on submitting my resignation with no notice actually. I think you were telling me like you were already like looking if I remember correctly. Yeah, I... because I had already got the job in London. Yeah, okay. I had got that job done. I had got that job in November. And so I had already been ready to phase out and just kind of like use December as like my grace period and just kind of like kind of try to be professional cuz And so when I got that, I I ended up sending an email and my email wasn't working. Yeah, mm. took my took my email privileges. So I was confused because I hadn't received a uh, a notice or anything of um like me being f- let go you know and i got i got i'm gonna look at i'm gonna look it up really quick i got something in my email and it said jk termination notice and the reason why i was terminated was failure to follow it's four bullet points. Failure to follow agency policy for community engagement. Failure to follow uh, policy for community outreach. Failure to report to your immediate supervisor per two email requests. Ooh. And lack of professional decorum while working with an elected community leader. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, they didn't even know this community leader. I was the person who brought her to the organization mm-hmm. and I had been working for them all along. So they should have heard my side of the story. I, um, I emailed exactly what happened to my CEO. I told him, they, they said something about two email requests. I told my CEO that I was busy working on the days that they, they said I failed to report to work or you know fail to report to my immediate supervisor and I was just like you know this is a bunch of BS and I literally was like but I was not stressed about anything because I had already been you know 
I had already been ready to go into the next phase of my career. Um, and so when I got let go, I got a call from my direct report and they were like, um, he was just telling me that they were saying so many, you know, they were saying mixed things. They were like, I, I worked really hard, but they were like, I wasn't nice to anybody. <laughs> and, um, that, you know, I was, um, I was always, you know, I always thought that I was better than them and I didn't like to follow directions and I have a, a, a problem with, um, taking, um, like a, a problem with authority and things like that. And I said, you know what? Some of that stuff is right, but it's because I have a problem with authority when shit is not, you know, shit is not ethical. Shit is not going right. You know, you guys are being biased. You guys are operating with white supremacist ideologies Ooh. in a black organization. Bring it home then, because I'm not going to follow a leader if they're trying Thank to lead you. me down the road. Down the hill. hill. I'm just not going. I'm just not going to do it. I'm sorry. And yeah, I am going to say something think, about it. And I think that's what they thought this was, because to be honest, a lot of the people who work for the organization, they don't really have um, that, like my, my background is completely different from theirs and so you know they they came in thinking that i was privileged they're like oh this boy he he drives a Benz, he wears rolexes like they were just counting my pockets and trying to figure out why That's you know that it was it was so weird the way that i was perceived there like is it high school like what are we doing here it's, what are it's, we... that's exactly what it felt like and i was just like i just remember in november i was like i I was just praying that I got that job, the job in London, because I was just thinking to myself, I have to let go. And even in December, I was like, I should just leave and I should just leave, you know, but I said, I'm going to stick it out for the rest of the year. I'm going to stick it out for the rest of the year. I have been ready to go since July, really, Josh. Mm -hmm. And that was that. And so I, I said, you know what? they want to talk shit about me. I'm really going to get, you know, have my supporters get behind me and say, no, this is, this is not, this is not right. Because the reality is I got so many black lives in St. Louis into free therapy. I got mm -hmm. so many black lives, free HIV, STD, STI testing. I had cool events that were like never thought of. And so this this stuff that you guys are saying is complete BS. And we were waiting on another virtual <laughs> listening party. <because> the summer <laughs> walker one was lit. Yes. <laughs> and so basically what I learned about that was, and what I learned, I will say, where I fell short in that role was I became too tied to the mission, right? Mm -hmm. um, because when I work, I am a, I'm a very altruistic individual. So I'm very mission driven. And when I find a company that, you know, vision and their vision, their mission and their values kind of align with my personal mission values and um, vision, 
I hold, I cling to it. It's like, it's like something, it's like I low key try to make my proverbial nonprofit exist through my work at their organization. And I think it should be. Yeah. And I, I mean, because I hear the passion in your voice, and that's yeah. how it should be with all the employees. I mean, if you're all supposed to be working, it's a common goal. It's the common goal. And that's how I thought. But then I had to realize I can't do that everywhere I go, you know, because people people have their their organizations. It's their organization. Mm-hmm. They did the groundwork. They built the foundation. They, you know, they did that. And so now I'm in a space where I just need to be more intentional about where I work because I don't have, I don't want my work to be detrimental to my health. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want, um, I don't want to be, my background is mental health. So I definitely have to take care of me while I'm working. You know, I don't want to be in, I don't want to ever be in a space where I'm just stressed. Like I'm not taking time out for myself. I'm not, you know, enjoying my weekends. I'm not giving myself space to um to to just be you know outside of work and i just remember last year last year was probably the i i one thing about it i did have a lot of fun last year after starting at june because june was my birthday month and i started taking my weekends back um but at the same time my work and me and me at work was very stressful. Mm. Very stressful. You know what that's like. Mm. Um. Oh, let's switch. I almost got me a flashback. Um. How do you think your childhood has impacted your adulthood? Oh, I and I got say... this question from you, by the way, in inadvertently, yeah. but I did. Yeah, I think it has impacted me tremendously because, you know, I, my parents are very, my mom's a Virgo, my dad's a Capricorn. And so my dad, very private, very, you know, strong headed, strong willed. Uh, My mom, same very private, very strong-headed, very opinionated, strong-willed. And so I think um my I think I learned a lot from them. You know, I I I had been a mini adult young, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because my mom, my mom was a single mother. Um my dad was around, but he wasn't as present, you know, in the home you know, like a father should be. Um, but my mom was a single mom and I have a little sister. So basically I became kind of like the man of the house. I had to look after my sister. I remember changing her diapers and rocking her to sleep and things like that. Um, I had been given a lot of responsibility very young and that kind of informed who I am, you know, I was able to observe adults in a way that I was supposed to, you know, I was kind of re- reenacting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my my childhood really had a lot of um, it was very impactful on who I am today because I don't I'm very strong headed, just like my parents. I'm very um, I'm very what's that peculiar um i i don't deal with a lot of bullshit just like my parents and it you know the the saying is true i am my father's son but i'm also my mother's son because you know my mom she has a mouthpiece on her (laughs) but i feel like you're intellectual with it and like although i emotion yeah you're speaking i feel like you aren't trying to be hurtful Mm-mm. I feel like you are mindful with what you're saying, which <laughs> some Virgos, baby, you know I'm a Virgo, <laughs> yeah. and I always, I always try to be mindful because it's never my intention to hurt anybody's feelings. I think what my mission in life is for the greater, like anything I do is for the greater good, and so mm-hmm. if that hurts your feelings, then you don't align. You know, you don't align with that you know my 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 mission is to heal the collective my mission is Mm -hmm. to uh, progress the collective and if you are not in alignment with that then you have to jump off the bandwagon you know it's not for you to understand like everybody isn't the same and I think um you know my mom my mom she would tell me and my little sister all the time, watch who you are around. Mm. You know, people aren't your friends. And all of those things are very true. When we were younger, we were just naive and just wanted it, wanted to be running around with everybody and things like that. But once you, once me and my sister got older, we have conversations about it all the time. You know, mom was really, you know, she was really saying some, some shit back then, you know, and we didn't want to hear it. But definitely as an adult we appreciate it um but yeah i think my childhood is and i the the crazy thing is is that i'm a big kid at heart so that's all about that do you feel like you let your inner child like out oh yeah at times Mm -hmm. yes when i get dressed up when i get (laughs) you know listen y'all jd dresses (laughs) down Okay. <laughs> we're gonna get into that a little later but he dresses down and i for one can appreciate that i appreciate that a lot <laughs> a lot of no, people say, my mom's the same way too though oh, i'm sorry to cut you off i was just about to say a lot of my friends say i dress like i'm teaching a um a child how to learn complimentary colors <laughs> <laughs> i see that though you do give me yeah that's because I'm artistic too. Like a lot of people don't realize that my passion, just because I work in healthcare, that's really not my passion. I, I kind of fell into that role because my grandma, she was um, deaf. She was speech impaired. She had diabetes. She had a valve replaced in her heart, high blood pressure. Um, and so basically when we had her, my mom, my aunt and my uncle, they took we t- we all took turns as a family um uh housing her and so the last couple of years when she was alive she was with us and basically we were her caregivers you know when she mm-hmm. would have seizures we would have to 
tend to her when she needed insulin. We would have to give her her insulin shots, check her blood every day, prick her finger. Like I literally became a, a home health aide, you know, as a as a teenager and not realizing that until just a month ago, like thinking of just kind of being in a state, a state of reflection, kind of thinking about why I chose biology pre-medicine as a, as a major mm-hmm. in undergrad and really kind of digging into that a little deeper with my sister and realized that we had been doing all that, you know, since kids. The whole time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but my real passion is the arts. I love the arts. Fashion, art, music, technology. Definitely a renaissance man. Yeah. But I was going to say, um, I, I feel like I, me and my brothers, we have those talks too about like things that our mom has said to us and like how that has impacted us. Mm-hmm. It's like this, some, this little small story I'll tell. I remember being like really, really young, maybe like seven or eight. And I came in crying, like, Mom, they won't play with me. They won't let me oh play with me. And she was like, Josh, you should be okay to play by yourself. You don't have to hang around everybody. You'll be all right. And that just, like, really stuck with me. Like, oh, she's right. Like, whoever wants to play with me is going to play with me. That's true. Yeah, let them come to you. It always happens. So. And that's crazy <laughs> because I've always, and I think, this is why I am the way I am because my mom and my dad, they just always did what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever they wanted to do, they found a way and I'm the same way. And, but they also exist in their own little world, their own little bubble. And I just, I love that because I am the same way. You know, I don't really take no for an answer because there's other avenues to get to where, you know, get to get to what you want or what you want to do. Um, and so I always keep that in mind. And that's, yeah, something, yeah. that's something else from my childhood is that I've just always been in my own little world. And whoever comes into my orbit, you know, you are accepted with open arms. Yeah, it's never a no. It's it's always not right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that word means. But um, yes. okay. Have you ever been involved in a family feud? How did you handle that? Um, not really. Um, no, like cousin beef, or like, or have you been around while the, a family, two family members were not into it? Not for real. But besides, like brother sister you know fights and stuff um little arguments and stuff like that not really not nothing major um because i'm a person i really don't like i don't like confrontation it's crazy Mm -hmm. that i say that because i'm so opinionated um and sometimes that can be inflammatory but i think my friends like and even with my friends, sometimes they even like my friends and family, they know that I come from a place of good will. You know, mm-hmm. the the um, the first line in the House of Alpha poem is good will is the monarch of this house. And that is true. That's very true. Like I never come from a place of like bad intentions or wanting to do harm. Um because 
I immediately feel guilty after being like mean, you know, whenever I'm mean or whenever I hurt somebody, I'm always on the phone with my friends or my family. And I'm just, was I too mean or was I, you know, did I, did I, did I, was I too harsh? Was it too that morbid is so for me sweet. to teach? <laughs> wait, stuff wait, like that. You might have to teach me how to be like. I mean, I don't really get into it with people anymore. Yeah, I just remember either. like we, me and my brother. We used to go at it like all the time, and no one would want to get in the middle of. It. They're just like, "Hey, y'all have to work that out, y'all brothers." And we would just like always get into it, and I I get angry, and I feel like my brother. It's a water sign. I'll let you guess what kind of water sign. A Pisces. Mm-mm. The other one. Scorpio. Mm-hmm. I'm so a Scorpio moon. Like he says things that oh, you are. Yeah. I can kind of see that with you, though. Um, but like he says things to get me to go there with him because I'm so like nonchalant. This is like, I feel like it's not worth it. I'm not going to go there. Yeah, but, yeah. Scorpios definitely—they definitely inflammatory. But they're always like—I feel like it's coming from a good place, but they don't know how to express that. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's misdirected. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're going through something, and you're like, you don't know they're going through something. Oh, they got snap. You're gonna feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, well, you should know that I'm upset about such and such. Oh, yeah. That's one thing about water signs—we definitely gonna move you. And make you feel, and we overwhelm you with the feeling too. Oh uh, well, and anger is like a secondary emotion. I feel like it's always something behind it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, after you get through the anger part, what is what's really going on? Let's let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um. So oh, so where I'm gonna like trying to get lighter now. What's your favorite place to travel? Montreal. And, oh, you already had that in there. Montreal. Mm-hmm. Montreal and um I love Shanghai. Ooh. Okay, a little I'm gonna tell you this. Even though I've been in the military, I've always been scared to travel overseas. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Both my brothers have been I mean, I don't know. That long flight I I was scared of heights for a, a long time. Like, after getting on so many flights, like, as long as it's, like, under four hours, I'm good. But I don't see myself going overseas for a long period. Like, flying overseas. Oh, man. You I mean, I'm going to, to do it eventually. Yeah. I have my passport and everything, but I'm just... I would rather go somewhere closer. No, no, I'm going to go overseas. I just wanted to share that with the people. Um, okay, so I'm going to play a little game that I came up with. It's called Grace or Space. So you can either have, well, I feel like you're going to be like, oh, I'll give it grace for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Give the situation grace or going to give it space. Okay. A fashion feud. Let's say between two of your favorite designers. Mm, I'll give it space. Really? Mm-hmm. Car. Yeah, because I, I, I love to see, like, I want to see, like, the tea. Uh, <laughs> like, what's okay. going on? I want to see the, the tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> T. 
two people you are you were involved with at the same place. What are you gonna do? Give it grace or space? Uh, I give it grace. Like okay, yeah, I'm gonna give it grace. <laughs> um, oh, see, I feel like I have to access in a question form. Okay, so what is an uncommon thing that triggers you? Hmm. Uncommon thing that triggers me. I don't know if my triggers are kind of uncommon. I think pretty much I think there's a lot of Because, okay, so I, I, well, I feel mm, like that's this hard. Is hard like, I don't really people have touch my head like I do. Like, whoa, people do that more often than not. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because I, I had surgery on my head when I was younger and I have a scar on my head. I mean, you can barely see it now, but I know it's there. So when people like touch my head, I really get uncomfortable. You know what? You know what? really triggers me seeing somebody pull out their phone while I'm at the movies uh, wait like to record or no not like to record just to like text or you oh. know get on the phone or something like that like I hate that <laughs> you feel like you really like movies yes What's I your do. favorite movie my favorite movie is Titanic really mm-hmm. I just, love Titanic it's between it's between Titanic and Set It Off. <laughs> Those are so okay. starkly, starkly different. Yeah, I'm not saying the polarities, but okay. Okay. Okay, so have you ever been around someone who has been romantic with your partner? Um, I have, yeah. Are you giving that grace or space? How are you handling that? I would give it, I mean, I'm not, I'm really not a person who, you know, who cares about that type of stuff. Um, Like my past partners and things like that, like they're free to do what they want to do. And so like, we're all autonomous human beings. Like I don't, there's no ownership or anything like that. Like I would give it space. Mm -hmm. See, I've actually been in that situation. Like as long as I'm not like, purposely put in that situation then I'm going to be like okay well, what is going on here what what is yeah. expect to happen because I feel like people who have seen me like get into it with people they think that that's like how I am all the time mm. so yeah, oh, I was about to tell them I, I'll go ahead and say it so <clears throat> I thought I was going to be friends with someone I used to speak to Mm-hmm. And like he told me that he, like he was doing that on purpose, just like to see me jealous, like bringing people that he slept with around me. Mm. And I was like, well, "Why? Why would you?" Yeah, I feel like <laughs> if this, if it, if that, I don't get jealous. Is... First of all, and yeah. secondly, uh, yeah. Anyway, if that is intentional, then I would just have to fight him. Oh no! I just like just didn't want to speak to him anymore. I was like, okay, I just thought we were gonna be friends, but apparently you can't even do that because that's like disrespectful, like purposely disrespectful. Mm -mm. 
Yeah, that's not cool. Has anyone ever gotten upset at you for turning them down romantically? Um, I don't really think ups. I don't really think upset. Well, yes, actually, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, you did a little giggle. Go ahead. Yeah. What's, what's the story? Did you give it grace or space? Um, basically. It was like a casual, like a casual fling that I was in, mm-hmm. and I think when, I think, so, I'll use, I'll talk about this briefly because okay. we, we don't have to stay on it too long because <laughs> I feel like you're blushing over there. Oh my that's god, the good kind of blush. No, it's yeah, it's definitely not a good blush. Um, so basically. I had I was in a relationship with this Delta and um we were like kind of like in we were like in a re- operating like we were in a relationship but not being in a relationship situationship and, mm-hmm. yeah kind of like a situationship and so you know when she was from Chicago and whenever I would go to Chicago you know she would make time for me we would go out to eat we would hang out she would come to my hotel, things like that. Mm-hmm. And at the last po- the the last time I was in Chicago, um, she told me that she was actually dating a girl, mm-hmm. and I knew the girl. Oh, and that she still wanted to be involved with me, but she was also pursuing the girl. And I said, okay, you know, that was kind of, I literally laughed the whole time she was talking. <laughs> um, but when she left, I don't know if you've seen that video that I posted on Twitter the other day, but I posted a thread of videos after, um, I said, after I, you break up with somebody. Yes. I was listening to. You know I love when you be um, saying this. <laughs> I was it was the the video where I was in the hotel room with the red do rag listening to mm-hmm. Janae Aiko. Listen, them Janae Aiko songs, they hit. Really, yes, when she left that hotel, I drank that Vuv Clico <laughs> and ate my watermelon, and I sat in that bed and I cried. And I was like, "What?" And so at that point, I had made up in my mind that I wasn't going to allow her to have so much access to me when she wanted to because yeah. I felt like she was um I felt like she was kind of having her cake and eating it too. Absolutely. I mean at least she was honest. I'm yeah and she was. And you know, I respected grace, that. She was being honest, but it she's definitely being greedy. Yeah. <laughs> but then she came to St. Louis and I kind of blew her off. You know, I was kind of busy but I could have made time for her. And I didn't. And that resulted in, like, us having, like, this huge, um, this huge argument. It took to Twitter. You know, she, yes, she was saying that I had been manipulative for three years. I had been this terrible, you know, I had been uh, doing things just to get a reaction out of her and things like that. And those are things that I admitted to her um just being transparent i was like you know because i felt like and she was a virgo but also a delta and so i think with that context i was just like 
you know, we were both toxic within the relationship. We mm-hmm. were both doing things to get a rise out of each other. You know, I would go on Twitter and make tweets and she would get mad. And that's how I knew she would care because she never told me like what she felt. And so other than us just spending time together, laughing, spending all night together, me sleeping over there um, at her crib and things like that, like it wasn't really no, you know, I feel like this about you or I feel like that about you. Or, you know, I even like you, or I like this about you, or I like mm-hmm. that about you. It was never, we never really talked about feelings. That's the so for you. The only, hiding the feelings. Yes. And that me being a person who shows my love, like I'm. Embraces your emotions. Uh-huh. Yes. And embraces emotions and likes to emote and things like that. Um, I think it was very difficult for me to deal with. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still feel so bad about how things turned out between us because I thought we were going to be at least friends forever. Mm -hmm. And because she made me feel like a kid again. And I feel like anybody who makes me feel like a kid again is somebody that I will love forever, you know? And so it didn't it didn't work out how it's supposed to. She ended up getting really upset. I ended up getting really upset. We exchanged words. Um, she said what she said on Twitter. I said what I said on Twitter. And we haven't spoken since. I'm sorry to bring that um, up. Um, it's cool. Shit, because it's, it's life. It, it is. But, you know, you being a certified lover boy, I know. That had to be hard for you. Because yes. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I, I, I wish, and I'm getting there, but I wish I can emote my emotions and be as articulate as you. Um, Especially when it comes to, like, relationships and, like, you being aware of the faults that you had and being able to express that, like, mm-hmm. it would be all wild to get to that place. Like... <laughs> Not to expose my toxic way. <laughs> you, you're not supposed to get me to say I was wrong. Nope, never was. No, no that's, that's how I used to be. So, oh, that's very mature of you. And you, you have inspired me. So, okay, real quick. I still have, like, a few questions for you. But I'm going to have to okay. hang up and call back. Because I think this the time is going to end on us in a couple of minutes. So, I'm just going to call you right back. Okay. Okay. I really feel like this is one of the most emotional episodes I've ever had. <laughs> really? Oh, thank you. I had a few more questions. Okay. But I want to, you know, switch gears because I feel like I brought up some bad emotions. Oh, it's cool. From the past. Um, and I really hate it was my Virgo sister. Dang. <laughs> I love Virgos though. What were y'all here doing? Nah, because on Twitter, what you had said about Virgos. <sighs> you know, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. I mean, Virgos are a crybaby. You just gradually ignored me. You was like, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Virgos are crybabies. A lot of people think that cancers are crybabies, but it's definitely Virgos. Well, we do it in private. 
And I just told you when I was crying, guess what? I'm in my room in the dark by myself. That's mm-hmm. not cry. Yeah. That's not cry, though. <laughs> I never, I mean, I never got why people thought cancers are cry babies. It's like, have y'all not? Have you ever met a cancer? Exactly. I think it's because they are expressive. Like they were like, "Oh my god, you're talking about your emotions." Um, yeah. everyone should be able to do that. That's true. Um, but what do you think would surprise people about yourself? Mm, other than the fact that you shade Virgos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Look at me say... being a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, <laughs> I would say what would surprise people? Um, I don't know. Enough. I think it's just you, how many people you didn't tell about your poems, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's just, I don't know. I'm kind of like a, one of my exes described me as a wonder ball. Do you remember that? Oh my god, oh, I wonder, wonder. <laughs> yeah. What's in a wonder ball? Of course I do. Yeah, so one of my exes described me as a wonder ball and I think what will surprise people most about me is whatever is the next thing that will surprise them. <laughs> like I'm just so multifaceted. I have so many interests, so many hobbies. Um that you know, it's always something, it's always something new. Like a lot of people just say, it's always something with you. Like, what do you, what do you not do? You know? And, or like, what are you not interested in? Even, even like the white people at work, they always tell me, they like, are, do you, are you in the CIA? I think this is, (laughs) honestly, I think this is a microaggression and I hate when they do it because it, what it gives me is, it makes me think that they think that like all black people are supposed to be poor or, you know, you know, all black people are supposed to be um, thugs or maybe I'm supposed to be a rapper or something like that. But when I talk about Prada or when I talk about Bottega Veneta or when I talk about, even when I talk about politics and being informed and aware, or even I talk about like being on the drum line or horseback riding, like it's like oh my god you know oh my god you're cultured you're yeah cultured. yeah like <laughs> and so it's it's like whatever is the next thing you know um i i really can't say because i mean Ooh. even like it's like i reveal myself i'm like an onion i reveal myself in layers so um like the more trusting i am of you the more i reveal <laughs> And so some some people just get surface level. Some people get a little deeper. Some people get a little deeper. Um, and so if you... Stay deeper again. Deeper. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so if you... Like, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter. And it's all there. Because one thing about it is, like, I try to really be intentional about how I'm perceived. Um, and how... I want, you know, how I want to come off as who I am, you know, because I am not one dimensional. Um, I'm a person who has vast interests. I love having fun, but I'm also serious about work. You know, I'm very philanthropic, but I also give in to consumerism here and there, you know, 
Yeah, I've always we were talking about those coach purses. I was excited about because a lot of people don't know about coach. They coach been that girl. Yes, we'll, we'll talk about that later. That's true, and it's just like those things. Like um, a lot of people, you know, would be surprised that I worked at Bloomingdale's on 59th Street in New York. I can actually see that. <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of people would be surprised that I played tennis when I was in middle school. Um, like it's just a lot of things. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Can I say one? I don't want to embarrass you. I really don't. What? But they don't know how you be rolling them hips, though. So. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, but if you follow me on, it's, I feel like on my social media, he's I do a really good and things too. Hold on, we have to go to karaoke one day because yeah. I feel like we need to have a sing off. And that's another thing. I love karaoke. I love dancing. I'm never holding up anybody's wall. If it's Ooh, a dance floor, gosh. I'm definitely on the dance floor. Can we floor. talk about that for a minute? Like, I've never been, like, a club head. But, like, back in the day, when we used to go out, we used to go out. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to dance. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe times are changing. Times are totally different. Happened, and I guess people are just, like, scared now, but he used to dance like i used to have and i just said this i think on twitter i used to go and like whoever's dancing i'm dancing right next to you we're gonna have a whole full out dance battle because mm-hmm. yep you're not pissed to outstage me i came here to dance that's it yeah <laughs> that's just who i am so i think it's a lot of things um but it just depends on who you are because some <laughs> people will never will never find out you know and some people I, I, I love that. I, I'm the same way. I feel like some people will only see a few sides of me, and that's okay. I like to hold on to my mystery. That, mm-hmm. It's a very powerful thing. Just keep people guessing. Now, what I don't like to do, I'm an empath, so like I do take on some people's emotions, and I feel like they'll try to like tell you who they perceive you to be and just want you to be that. Mm-hmm. So... I do disassociate sometimes. And yes. so, like, people will think I'm just, like, aloof or stupid. And that is one thing that triggers me, too. You yes. never, ever think I'm stupid. <laughs> so I'm not showing you who I am. It's on purpose, believe me. Exactly. And playing dumb can actually save you. So. Lots of times. Yeah. It has done. I tell this to the kids some street stories back about how I was back in the day. But, yeah. Yeah, keep thinking I'm just this little light skinned boy who doesn't know anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what are you listening to these days? Um. I was gonna ask you about certain artists, but I'll just ask what you're listening to. I, I am listening to the last song I listened to was "High Ground" by Stevie Wonder. I love that you just like really listen to like classical music. Like mm-hmm. it's like really soothing. That's yeah. actually good. Um, before that, I was listening to Donny Hathaway, and before that, I was listening to Summer Walker. Um, I literally have been listening to Beyonce "Cuff It" on repeat, <laughs> <laughs> and that's I don't know what kind of sorcery. Is in that song or in that album period. I literally have to force myself not to play Renaissance. Yeah. But Um, shout out to Summer Walker. I was um 
just listen to her as well. Didn't um the first one over still over it just have an anniversary? Yep. It not did. over it, not still over it. The first one. That was a great Who piece else? of work. Shout out to um her and her baby daddy. Who else I've been listening to? Oh, I just I've been listening to Des Dior. Um Ooh. Yep. I've been listening to the hip country artist. What's that girl's name? Um I don't know if you've seen her on Instagram or TikTok, but she's like a black country girl. Wait, I might her name's heard. Tanner Tanner Adele. I've been listening to Tanner Adele, Willie Jones. Country. Yes. Asake. Um I wanna sing you this song. Cause this remember I was telling you how there was a song that made me cry. Um, do you know who Sir is? Yeah. It's the song called John Redcorn. Oh my oh, god. Oh, I love John Redcorn. I remember oh, what's that one song? Um I love him though. Sir is by, John, by Sir. I used to play it every I used to work overnight at a blood bank. And it was one song that I would play every time I hit the highway. Hair down featuring Kendrick Lamar. That's my that used to be my song. But yeah, that's what I'm listening to lately. Okay, okay. Um any new movies that are coming out? I know you love movies. Anything you're excited about? Uh, that's upcoming. Mm-hmm. Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you're gonna say Wakanda. <laughs> uh, the little mermaid. I mean, that's a little way. Meg. Meg. <laughs> Meg has taken over the internet with her a camp. Oh my gosh! Why would they have her doing that dance? And I I'm like, why? It. it really looks good. I love scary movies. By the way. Um, but I was like, why is she hitting this A-count before she sliced heads off? Though? Why is she doing that? I mean, she <laughs> hit it, though, but okay, I was confused. I never seen Chucky hit the uh, deck before he sliced somebody up. So. It's the little hula hoop dance that she did. <laughs> Flipping around. And then when she was running like a dog, I why, girl? You, I don't <laughs> Why? Because I would just be like, okay, girl, kill me because what the fuck? you don't got to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm also excited to see Wakanda forever. I might have to two. Um, what are the movies? Um, I'm excited to see Halloween. Hopefully, this is, I don't know, last the last child. one. I gave up. Just, just, just let her live at this point. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see what else. I think I think that's pretty much it. Okay, okay. Let's see what else I have. Oh, oh, so I have this segment on my show. I was gonna ask you about your side hustle that you have, but I didn't really mm-hmm. get all into how that works. So, um. I have this segment called the free game. Is mm-hmm. it any free game that you want to give the listeners before we go? Um, well, I can talk about my side hustle because I think that's free game. Okay. Because I didn't really, I mean, I was trying to be nosy, but I was like, okay, I was just asking. Yeah. So basically in high school, 
Um, I bought a Supreme t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And Kanye West ended up wearing it. Ooh. And so the resale value went up to four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So I resold it on eBay and sold it for like four hundred and eighty dollars and I paid thirty two dollars for it. Oh. So then I was like, Okay, well, this is a brand. I started kind of doing like some research on Supreme and the brand. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I actually have a couple of these items, but I think I need to be more intentional about reselling this stuff because, um, you know, this is kind of lucrative. And so basically I ended up buying all of the, I tried to buy the most dopest pieces from Supreme Mm -hmm. and resold them because I knew celebrities would want those items and resold them for um, like three, four, sometimes eight times the value that I paid for. And so that kind of helped me um, throughout high school have money and then also going into college um, and undergrad until I got my job at coach and shout out to coach yeah that the resale reselling things can really be a lucrative business um and even if you even if you don't really like the dopest things like even like the weird things um, because I love weird shoes weird oh sneakers. my god I was just supposed to say that like I hate well, I don't I hate such strong wear. I don't like that a lot of people like to wear the same type of shoes. So I purposely yes. like to get shoes that like look weird or that nobody will wear. Like that is me. Yes. I, I love weird shoes like Margella, Bottega, mm-hmm. um, Ralph Simmons, like all of them, Balenciaga. Um, like if you do enough research you can find out which brands well which designers have cult followings just so just like when um Hadi Samain left um East Saint Laurent and went to Celine like his whole following started wearing Celine mm. just like when um just like when Daniel Lee um went to Bottega and now he's going, I think Daniel Lee is going to Burberry. And so I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of Burberry <laughs> in the upcoming future. Um, but because I think he gets stated, I think he gets reinstated in um, January. And so, like, if you do enough research, like, there are people, there are items that they make little of. And that people want to have and covet, you know, Bottega puddle boots are extremely um, lucrative because they were designed under Daniel Lee and new Bottega. And so if you keep if you hold on to those for a little while within the next couple of years, the resale value for those could be really high. 
And the same goes for when designers go to different brands or when brands have like that, that it thing. Um, just like when Jacquemus, he made that tiny Le Cochito, mm-hmm. um, that Le Cochito bag. I have one and I know I can't put anything in it, but like weed, like a bag of weed or some pills or some drugs or something, mm-hmm. um, some chains, three three or four quarters. Mm-hmm. But, Your phone won't even fit in there. <laughs> right. It's like that I bought because I know in the future, you know, this is something that people are going to be looking for because it was like, it was one, it's a runway, it's a runway piece. Mm -hmm. And two, you know, not, not that many of it was made. And so if you kind of, if you kind of find your niche and kind of find a thing, you can open up your own online boutique, resell your clothes, buy new ones, resell those. And I think that's how we, um, that's how we get into the space of being environmentally friendly because mm-hmm. we're not just throwing away our clothes, right? Um, and even then, even clothes that I don't sell, resell, or shoes that I don't resell, I like to take them to uh, like yeah, local, always donate. Yeah, <laughs> like local thrift shops and things like that. Somewhere, like, yeah. A lot of people like need clothes. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I believe in you know, recycling. And so that's another, that's another way to, um, to like find kind of like what you're passionate about. It's crazy because you don't realize that you are actually recycling. Mm -hmm. You're literally recycling. You're just selling clothes or you're giving away clothes just to get new clothes. I'm not a person who has to have like a ton of shoes and a ton Mm -hmm. of clothes. I had to get out of that phase. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I'm just, first of all, moving, moving, when you're, like, living like a nomad, like I've been living, like, the past few months, moving from place to place, and going from place to place with all this stuff, Mm -hmm. like, it's just, it just becomes too much, Mm -hmm. and, like, I totally understand what Phoebe Philo meant when she was at Celine, when she said, quote, reduce, you know like that is that is a space that i've been in lately is just trying to you know not buy too many things you know Mm -hmm. but yeah that's some free game (laughs) oh so yeah and look how knowledgeable you are about fashion you have you ever thought about being a stylist i have been you probably just you said you have been i have not Oh, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, thank you. That was something else you've done. I, I don't think I can really. Well, I don't know. I was about to I say, you better can... not open your mouth to say you, you don't think you can dress. No, not I can dress. I think I I think I do well for myself. For yourself. Just and I think that's people. it. Yeah. Because I don't really know, you know, I would have to really know somebody to really, like my little sister. I know exactly what to get her every year for mm-hmm. Christmas. I know exactly what, what she'll like. I know I know exactly what my mom will like. I know exactly what my friends will like. You know, those are people who I've built relationships, so I know them, you know. I know what colors they wear. I know what styles mm-hmm. and fabrics they like. I know what they find flattering, what they don't like. Um, so I 
I feel like as a stylist, you really have to, it really is a talent, like, to just look at somebody and be like, okay, let's just you go shopping. I'm going to pour this, I'm going to pour this, I'm going to pour this, we're going to put this together. Right. Boom. And so, I don't think I could do that for everybody, like I can with myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Well, my free game, I, I like to do quotes. So my free game quote is I feel like I feel like I said this to you. Healing isn't a face, it's a lifestyle. Um, so shout you out for being on my show. Um, I don't know if you notice you are healing people, not just with your job, but just by being you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. That means so much. <laughs> Well, I got you over there blushing. You know, I'm trying to be um, <laughs> like Harish. I'm going to be the black Dr. Phil. I'm with the black, black Dr. Phil. <laughs> the black, uh, no, you remember Montel Jordan? Was it yeah, Jordan? I definitely do. Montel That's Jordan. I'm going to be the black Montel Jordan. That's what I'm going to be. You know, healing the world one episode at a time. So, um, Thank you again, JD, for coming on. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you online? Yes. So on Twitter, I am JDK Alas. And Alas is literally JDK. And Alas is A L A Z. And that's just, um, that is, um, that is Brazilian for the light. So, Jamez, Deontay Canard, the light. You um, better. Yeah. I see you still schooling people. I love. Yeah, it's Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Instagram is Jamez Marais. So, J A M E Z M E R I S E. And if you want, you can find me on Facebook, Jamez Canard. <laughs> I don't be on there like that. Sometimes <laughs> I do be on there. Um, yes. So that I don't even know how long that was. I felt like we ran through the first time and then had to come back for another round. But all right. Um, again, thank you. I didn't mean to have you up so late, but it's I appreciate cool. you coming away. Yeah, no problem. And we'll be back, guys. But thanks, Jay. Um, um, Jameis, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Josh. All right, cool. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening thus far. I know this is a longer episode. I'm trying to get more comfortable with having an hour-long episode. But I want to end this episode with the business of the week, which is going to... That's my drop call. It's a little janky, but it's going to me. Um, Shout out to me. Um, You guys can subscribe now on Spotify to get video content from Freaking the Podcast. So um, I'll have the link below where you guys could subscribe. And right now, there's six episodes uploaded and waiting for you guys for the subscription, and there'll be more to come. I'll get more in-depth with the videos. I'm just starting out right now, but you guys be on this journey with me. 
So, all right. Thank you guys for listening to Free Game Podcast, and I'll see you guys next episode. Bye. Yeah.